Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 44. Today's episode is the last in the series, uh, my Dallas series. Um, I'm going to introduce today's guest in a second. First, I just want to tell everyone who's listening, um, if you haven't already, go and watch my new video of um, the first original song that um, can be heard from my new album. It's not the official studio recording that will be on the album, but a live in-studio version, um, audio and video of my new song, Panacea. Panacea, the goddess of health. Um, it's a funky... It's a funky little tune, um, so you can find it on YouTube um, or Facebook. It's not on Spotify because it's not an official audio release, but it is a video, um, and there are some great people in the video, and you can see my purple hair in the video, um, and I really like the song. The Panacea is, I think, like maybe the third song I wrote in the collection um, for masks, so um, go check that out, and if you really haven't already... Um, go listen to my official single on Spotify and all the places, The Stranger, my cover of Billy Joel's tune. Um, but the, but the new thing for this week is Panacea, the goddess of health. The song is just called Panacea, but, uh, you know, that's where the name comes from. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a girl power song, sort of, but, um, it's subtle. So if you're not into girl power, I mean, let's be honest, you probably won't like anything that I write, but it's not overt. So, um you know, go check it out. Um, today's guest is my old friend from college, Shannon Camacho. I loved catching up with Shannon. I felt like, um, man, it was just so nice to hear like someone that I hadn't seen or talked to in so long and all of the ways that our careers have had things in common. It just feels, um, it just felt really good. It felt like really kind of therapeutic to talk to Shannon and her music is so cool. So, um, if you're, if you're looking for, for new stuff to check out, um, Shannon's music is, it's killer. It's great. So, um, let me read you a little bit about my friend Shannon. Shannon Camacho is the front woman and main songwriter for Hello Shannon, an indie electronic duo from Dallas, Texas, that brings together electronic elements with organic live instrumentation and a focus on vocal layering and production. Influences include Imogen Heap, Kimbra, and James Blake, all amazing performers. Hello Shannon was started in 2014 by Shannon along with her husband and producer Jonathan Camacho. After the release of their first EP, The Tide, Hello Shannon began performing at festivals, venues such as House of Blues, Dallas, New Orleans, Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles, intimate concerts such as the So Far Sound series, and internationally with a tour going through Northern Europe in 2015 and 16. In 2015, Hello Shannon was featured on the long-running BMI Acoustic Lounge series in LA. Hello Shannon stopped touring from the 2015 to 2018 and spent those three years working in the studio on their full-length album Wander, which was released in October 2018, along with an official music video for the title track. The release garnered local attention with continued local radio play, as well as, as receiving a 2018 Ghosty Award for Best Electronic Act. In 2019, Hello Shannon had the opportunity to open for Billboard charting Billboard charting artist Lanny. You guys, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know who this person is. I don't know how to pronounce that. L-A-N-Y. Sorry, Shannon. 
Hello Shannon is currently touring their new live show in support of their album. You guys, Shannon's album Wander is so beautiful. Um, I love everything on it. My personal favorite is, um, I want to say it's track three, but I, I'm not sure, but it's called Home. Um, it's my favorite, but all the songs are just amazing. Um, and I know you are going to love this interview with Shannon. So without further ado, here's Shannon of Hello Shannon. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Wash Wizard. Wash Wizard is a cool little sphere that uses bioceramic technology to wash your clothes. I'm always looking for new eco-friendly products that are also useful and effective, and Wash Wizard definitely checks those boxes. A few months ago, I bought one for our home and we've been loving it, so I reached out to Wash Wizard to ask for a promo code for my listeners. Wash Wizard completely replaces laundry detergent and lasts for 1,500 loads of laundry. It's great for sensitive skin, it eliminates odor, bacteria, and mildew, and it reduces rust and lime buildup in your washing machine. Head to shop.getwashwizard.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE20, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-2-0, for 20% off your purchase today. Do you ever do weddings? I do. Because I feel like it's never not a thing that, like, the father of the bride is talking and holding the mic, like, down by his, yeah, like, belly Yeah, like button. his belt. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, louder, we can't hear you, turn it up. And it's like, I can't. Like, he just has to hold it closer. And then he pulls it closer and it feeds back. Yeah, and then he's like, so see? Hot. Yeah, he's like, no, you gotta just... No, no, this is hold, on you. Yeah, hold it closer. <laughs> I'm trying to decide how I want to be. And then they always get mad at, like, the DJ or the sound person. I'm like, no, no. This is kind of your deal. This is definitely this your This is your deal. fault. <laughs> Okay. I'm almost comfy. Okay. Uh. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm here with Shannon in Texas. It's this is cool. I almost so I've released like thirty um four episodes, I think, so far. And they've all like I've pretty much recorded all of them like in my basement. So like this experience of like being here and like recording with other people is like it's making me feel like I don't know. I'm in like a different headspace. It's exciting. So um, I like to start with people um, at the beginning and ask them, like, what were you like as a creative child? Like, what was going on with you and your little baby? So my mom likes to tell the story of when she would pick me up from daycare and I would be singing around all of the other kids and would just be making up songs and singing with just just horrid vibrato and just going for it and was not shy at all. Like was just, I used to make up, um, I had a friend and it's funny the things that you remember and the things that you don't totally. Um, I do remember when I was like, I don't know, four or something in daycare or some 
school thing and uh, making up songs with a friend of mine and just being so extra and so silly all the time. But to me, it it was it it was definitely silly. But for me, it was kind of serious. It was very serious. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No, I love that though because I, you know when I always start like my first question to like everyone I interview, it just seems like a good place to begin. Like, where do you begin? Um, about like just asking them what they were like as creative children. And, you know, lots of people will be like, I was taking piano lessons or like I was drawing a lot or like, I like to tell stories. And I, I want to ask people like, did you know that, like, did you feel back then? Like I am making art. And like, <laughs> I definitely kind of did. I, I did. I, yeah. I, 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 not good art. Yeah. But I def, I mean, I, well, yeah. And, and I think maybe <laughs> part of the reason why sometimes people don't like, they don't want to answer that question because it seems like it's arrogant or something, but I don't think about it like that. I feel like if you're a little kid and you're serious about like the stuff you're making, it doesn't mean you think you're like amazing. It just means you think like art is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just means you're like, you're like moved by these things and you kind of feel like, you know, I, this, this feels serious, you know? So I, I like to hear that. I feel like I always like, I'm expecting that answer from more people. Cause I definitely like <laughs> felt like that. So- well, my mom, I, so I started taking piano lessons when I was young. My, my grandmother actually was a classically trained pianist. She played in the Van Cliburn and my, her dad was in the, um, Fort Worth, I think the Fort Worth symphony. He played the violin. So I do have music in my family. And so when I was little, my parents and everyone obviously saw this and my grandmother tried to teach me piano and was very frustrated because Mm -hmm. I was also very much you were like a little, I was a little free spirit and I (laughs) didn't want, I mean, I wanted to play, but I didn't want to learn the rules and I didn't want to. So you wanted to play. I wanted to play. So the lessons didn't last very long. I think I took like, I think she tried to give me one and then she was like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think also taking lessons from a family member is just like, Oh, true. It never goes well for people. True. Because you have the added relationship and it's not really bias. And I mean, it it is bias. It's not, um, objective. So I think it would be really hard to teach one of our young family members right now. Yeah. Um, They don't see you as, as an authority in the same way that your students do, you know, it's like, oh, eh, but you're just, yeah, I mean, you're my granny, so yeah. it's fine. But <laughs> so, even then, so, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, well, so I started taking voice lessons and piano lessons when I was probably 12. Yeah. And from the uh, pianist at our church. And uh, she actually had the same issue. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't couldn't be tamed. <laughs> well, you know, like I I I like I like all these kinds of stories also because like, you know, being a professional artist is a weird combination of like mastering and executing a skill and also like breaking rules and being creative and being kind of like free and you know, like it has to be both. Mm-hmm. And so the evolution of those things from like children is so interesting to me. Um, you know, like kind of hearing what that balance was and how you like created, you know, you kind of tipped the balance or 
don't as an adult. I mean, I think there as much variety as there is in like humans, there is in artists, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know. I just like it so much. It's like, there are some things that are so similar about what we're all doing, but like the way that we are thinking about it can be so different. So when you were young, um, there, there were professional musicians in your family. So did people, did like you have the idea as a fairly young person that like that was something that was an option for you? Kind of. So neither of my parents are musical. Uh, my grandmother did play piano and then my aunt also plays piano. So music was always in our family. Um, and my parents were always very supportive and encouraging. So whenever I would want to sing or want to audition for something or want to do something, they were always incredibly supportive and encouraging. And so I don't think it was something that I, well, granted, I think when I was five, I told my mom I wanted to be a Christian country singer and she was like, okay. It's very specific. <laughs> it's very specific. Um, was it when I was five? It was when Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. And I was like, I'm going to do this. How old are you now? I'm 30. Yeah. I'm 31. And I, I had that CD too. And I want to say I was like a little bit older, but I might've just gotten it late. Or maybe it was some, I, I maybe this dream was yeah. know, several years in the making. I don't know. But, uh, my parents were always just like, okay, if that's what you want to yeah, do, then that's, that's what, great. that's what you're going to do. And so it was never something that they told me I was going to yeah. do or something or that, that I that felt they said, like, like, no, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. It was just, they kind of helped facilitate in me whatever my interests were like my brother loved to draw and I also like to draw but was not nearly as good as my brother was at it so basically anything that we that like our strengths and what we really enjoyed they kind of encouraged and helped facilitate that so I think that's so important like I mean I I didn't feel that as a child and like I hope that like people who have parents that are like, yeah, whatever you're, whatever you like, like never kind of take that for granted. But then I, then on the other hand, I also think like, I think sometimes when you have parents that are like a little, like kind of hard with that sort of thing, it can also make you get creative. So I don't know. I'm ambivalent about it. Switch back and forth. Just thinking like, but I like to hear when that parents like encourage their kids to kind of explore and like are supportive and, I mean, the bottom line too is like with with kids that are so little, if they tell you like they want to be something, there is literally no reason for you to say no. Right. Like they're going to change. Like the likelihood that they like will just grow out of that idea on their own is high. Well, especially if you want to be like an astronaut. Right. Veterinarian, super person. Right. There is, there is no reason to tell a little kid like you can't do that. That's it's insane. Um, you know, when, when a little kid is saying like, like I was interviewing someone recently who like said she wanted to be a paleontologist when she was a kid Mm -hmm. and like, she's an actress now, but like she just had seen Jurassic Park and like kind of liked the, like it wasn't that she wanted to be a paleontologist. She just like liked the movie. Right. You know? Right. It's like, it doesn't even always mean like what you think it means. Right. Cause then you <laughs> grow up and you're like, Oh, that means I have to do all of these other things that aren't as cool. As- yeah. Really what I want is to be an actress <laughs> and be in a Jurassic paleontologist Park. in Jurassic Park. Right. Right. Yeah. Like um, really what I want is to be Laura Dern. Well, sure. <laughs> my, I will say that my, I think the reason why my parents were that way, um, my dad's 
dad, so my grandfather owns a building company and started it when he was 19. Wow. And so growing up, my dad was always, at least in some way, shape or form, building part of that. So kind of, um, which he's really good at and has an eye for. And I think that he uh, just really wanted us to kind of discover who we were on our own. And if we ended up wanting to be part of the business that he was building, then that was great. But I think that he just, they really wanted to establish a sense of independence in us, which I think is really cool. Amazing. Yeah. So important. So, um, is there anything like between when you were kind of just like singing and also like not wanting to take piano lessons from your grandma (laughs) and when you started taking voice and piano a little later, like, did you get like more serious about music during that time? I did. So I, I started songwriting when I was 16 or 17. And at that point I realized, oh, I don't know what the name, I don't know what the notes are. I don't yeah. know what the chords are. I had a, I had an, oh, not pretty good. I had an okay ear for yeah. figuring out what chords work together and what a chord was, yeah. but I didn't have any like literacy. Yes. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I could hear it in my head, but I couldn't speak speak it into existence because I didn't know what the function of things were. And so that's when I, granted, I, I did read music because I also was in band and choir from middle school. So I did read music to a degree, but when it came to the actual piano and the theory Theory, of it all, I realized that I had a lot to say, but I, I, I didn't yeah. have the means to say it. I and can so, totally relate to that. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I started trying to get more. Um, I started taking music theory in high school yeah. and trying to just understand as much as I could yeah. so that I could essentially speak yeah. more. So when you started doing some songwriting, were there any like adults involved in that? Like, or other people? Like, I, I just am wondering like how kind of private it was or if you had teachers or people that were like, helping or you know giving you feedback like how did you kind of start that um so in my choir program my my choir director actually studied jazz at University of North Texas which is where you and I met where we met um and so she was also a songwriter and an arranger and uh so she started a songwriter forum in as part of the choir as like an outside thing. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. So no wonder you love choir. Like, I love yeah, choir. you saw it as something like <laughs> expansive back then. Right. That's awesome. Um, so she, uh, we would have like coffee shop nights and things like that, uh, before choir concerts, we would do, um, like music in the lobby. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if she actually worked with me on any of my originals. They're not, they weren't great, which is why they don't exist anymore, (laughs) but, but it was definitely a start and was an environment that I was encouraged to write and to do things, um, to just try things and, and see kind of what happened. Totally what I'm wondering, like, you know, where did you get this like idea? You know, cause I feel like I teach a lot of kids and I, I, ha- I make them all write songs. Like, mm-hmm. and when I'm first starting, when I'm teaching little, little kids and I'm like, we're going to write a song. They're just like, okay. You know, but when I'm teaching like 
15, 16 year olds and I'm like, we're going to write a song. They're like, but I don't know how, you know, right. like, and it's like, it would never occur to them to like, just start, mm-hmm. you know, even if like, they totally do have like the skills to at least like start. Um, but I feel like that's like, it can be such a confident thing. Um, like it can feel if you don't have any confidence, how are you going to be like, oh, it's I'm going to write a song. Yeah. Right. Even if, yeah. Even if you totally know how you're still like, Bleh. so that's great that you had someone like kind of just saying like, Hey, this is an option. This is a thing you can do. And then you were kind of figuring it out on your own though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually needed help. So you started taking like theory and yes, that's right. So I, what kind of changed me was a friend of mine uh, burned a CD for me. Uh, she was a, a choir friend. So I knew her music taste was going to be great. All the choir, all the friends are choir <laughs> friends if you're a choir kid. This is true. Yeah. It was either choir friends or band friends. And this, yeah. was a, this was a choir friend. What did you play? I played the flute. Okay, cool. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I was a I was a band kid and a choir kid and I did all the music. You were a flautist. I was a flautist. I was really cool in high school. I tell that to all my so I teach as well. I teach voice yeah. and a little bit of songwriting. Um and, <laughs> and they're like, Choir's dumb. Like, you watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same way. Yeah, I have the exact same kind of my my students will be like, Oh, choir's so whatever. And I'm like, you need to be in choir and you, you need know. to like choir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also I feel like you were about to say like, I feel like my students always like think I'm cool cause I have purple hair and I'm a professional singer, but I, I was like such, such, such a nerd. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I think the same thing. Cause they're like, no. Nah. So I think that they think sometimes that they need to bad mouth, like classic, like classical music. Blah. Yeah. Like, no, no, you're so right, which is why, like, I, I mean, that's why you got to talk about it. Cause, like, they're looking at you now, not doing classical music and making assumptions about what you were like back then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, all of this stuff that I'm doing is like because I like cut my teeth on that. Like, yeah. I was doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's true for everyone, but like, no you learn stuff in there. You do. And I honestly owe a large part of my tone and vocal control and so many things to my classical training yeah uh because I I sing predominantly in my mixed voice which I've learned is not normal yeah (laughs) um and part of that as a teacher you're like why is this so difficult for you (laughs) to find right well and I know now I mean after studying (laughs) pedagogy and things like that but I never growing up I didn't know that that's why and it's honestly because of my classical training yeah um but when it came to songwriting, a friend of mine introduced, uh, she made me a, a, a mix CD because that's what you did in the early thousands mm-hmm. uh, when CDs were still a thing. And uh, it was Fru Fru's Details. And I had never heard anything like that yeah. in my life. And I was obsessed with it. And so I was like, I need... I need more. I need more yeah. music from you. You have to give me yeah. more things. And then, what else so, do you know that I don't know? Right. Who yeah. else are you? Who? What? El- what else is happening that I need to get my hands on? Because I only have this one CD yeah. now, and I need more. So I was just like when I did an interview last night. I, we were talking about this same thing of like someone exposing you to something that you're like, okay, well now I'm freaking out because this exists and I didn't know. So right. what else? Like. What am I missing? What am I missing? Yeah. So she made me another CD 
And the first song on it was, it was Regina Spector's, uh, I'm trying to remember what, what album it was. I think it was Soviet Kitsch. But so she, I, I was thinking it was going to be like the other one yeah. and it wasn't in any way. And I was like, what is this? This is weird. But then when I started listening to it, yeah. uh, the way that she songwrites, the words that she says, she is so weird and interesting yeah. and just takes all of these risks. And um, Imogen Heap, in, who is who was part of Fru Fru is the same way, just yeah. very risky and real. And so that yeah. was my first exposure to songwriting yeah. and what I wanted to eventually be. Yeah. And I mean, not that I wanted to be either no, one of I them. I know what you mean, but the, like those, I they it showed you new ideals. New ideas. It was yeah. like, oh, I don't just have to write about relationships or yeah. I don't just have to fit a form. They, yeah. when, it, when we're talking about breaking rules, like they are two women who are yeah. complete rule, bla- rule breakers and that super inspired me. So yeah. that was my first, I think my first big inspiration to start songwriting. Let's like, let's like just talk more about like what that like, meant in your mind like why was this rule breaking thing like so intriguing I'm curious like you know what was the beginning of that kind of like value system like musical value system that like you know like just I I just want to know more about like how that was hitting you um like what was interesting about it I I think it just it didn't have limits yeah like it was unlike anything I had heard before, vocal sounds and just really interesting textures and layers that I had never heard before. Yeah. Um, Regina just- Spector in one song is literally playing the piano with one hand and hitting the, hitting like a flat surface. I don't know if it's a piano or something yeah. with a drumstick while she's yeah. singing and making all these really weird vocal sounds. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. I is love it, it. Do you feel like it was like, the fact that like there weren't rules like it wasn't about exactly what they were doing but just like I'm assuming it was like come kind of more the fact that they like were doing things yes I think it 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 really made the idea of writing less like formulaic or yeah, yeah like I less totally get that I don't know. It it made it a lot more approachable to me because when you're able to, at least in my head, when you're able to experiment, it kind of takes off the pressure of this has to be perfect or this has to be uh, polished or, and not that their music isn't polished. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's, you know. But yeah, if the barrier to entry is like this one thing and you don't have that one thing, you can't even be in the conversation. But if you're hearing like, things that are like a totally different conversation you just think like well I could start one yeah like I could be in one do you feel like I mean I, ha- I I'm assuming like just based on what I know about you and that you were a f- in band and choir that you were a rule follower I yes very so much that's so. more I was wondering more like what was it about that like like it's I mean I'm totally projecting too because like I had a similar experience around that same age because I also was like a hardcore core rule follower. And then like for me, it was like I went to Barnes and Noble and like accidentally bought Kind of Blue, um, the Miles Davis album and brought it home and was like, what is this? Like and I felt similarly like rule breaking. It was less of a compositional thing for me, obviously, but I remember just feeling like 
this is just, if this kind of thing is allowed, like, I don't know. It like, it, it, it was like less about the music and it was more about like me, I think. Like mm-hmm. I felt like it made me feel like I had like other options right. or something. Did you like, I mean, I, in this podcast, I like to talk with people about their identity <laughs> and like how it, how it interacts I with mean, their art. So it's, it, that they, sounds like the beginning of something. Well, they, and they go, they go so much hand in hand. So, because as you, as a creative, who you are affects so much of who you are as an artist and yeah. your art, because your art is a reflection of you. So of course that makes sense. Um, I am definitely a rule follower. I was always, well, when I was a young you know, three or something, probably not. But I was very much a people pleaser and wanted to stay in the lines and not break any rules. And um, I think honestly, the the draw for me was that I, since I do sing in my mixed voice, I, okay, I was obsessed with Kelly Clarkson when (laughs) she came out on the first episode or the first season of American Idol. From that moment, I loved her. I knew that it was going to just be a lifelong relationship. I was all, I've all, and I, she will hold a place in my heart for the rest of my life. Um, She's your first muse. Oh, I love her. But so she, so she had this really big, soulful, belty voice. It's almost like a rock voice too. Like her voice is everything. Which I didn't have I didn't have that kind of voice I didn't have which I mean I just needed to strengthen it and work yeah you just now that I know that but at the time because I was singing in my mixed voice and it wasn't very strong and it was a little bit more I don't know kind of like sultry-ish sounding and so when I was in eighth grade um I was introduced to Nora Jones, yeah. her first record, mm-hmm. like The Nearness of You and yeah. Don't Know Why. And I would sing her stuff and it made sense for me vocally. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. But for me, I just, I think, you know, I'm a rule follower, but inside I'm like actually secretly really adventurous. Yeah. And so I think I just wanted something a little bit more crazy yeah I guess that's kind of what I was wondering like I mean like I'm totally projecting and I'm like waiting for you to give like the answer I'm expecting you to give because it's what (laughs) I would say but but yeah I I that's that's how I think like when I hear women that are breaking rules in those particular ways it's kind of like okay this is weird and inventive in a way that like sparks some kind of like a familiarity in me and like my little secret like energy Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like uh but it's also it's it's not you know and not that it's like a binary but like Kelly Clarkson is like breaking rules in like this other way that maybe is Mm -hmm. like I don't think I'm that but you know what I mean like it kind of gave you like a vision of like a different way to be a creative does that feel like I don't know I'm just I mean yeah well especially when you're when you're young it just any anything that you're introduced to and I I teach voice so I, I mean you're just a sponge yeah you're a sponge for creativity and a sponge for that thing that makes you feel yeah something and so if it's uh it just I mean I love introducing new music mm-hmm. to 
to kids because they, and even if they don't like it, that's okay. But when they find something that they do like, it's like they just, they just wrap themselves around it and they can't get enough of it. And then when they hear something else that's like that, or maybe not even like that in the same sense of, of you like know, it's the same genre, but yeah, it's not like even that the same the genre, that- but in the sense of like, like I've always been really attracted to the idea of like a strong female with a strong voice and the just the creative control to execute it, if yeah. that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. Even if I didn't know that that's what I was really wanting. Um, I think that that idea just always seemed really yeah. interesting. And I, whether I knew it or not, just wanted, I just, I wanted that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I mean, Regina and Imogen are still two of my favorite artists of all time. If they yeah. put anything out, I yeah. will listen to it <laughs> right away five times right away a million Ten times, times. Yeah. um but but just because I, it still makes me feel yeah that and I still feel like they are people who continue to just not be afraid of making yeah. and I think that was honestly my the biggest draw is that part of me was always so fearful yeah that when I felt like someone was not fearful and just super brave and making those creative choices that just seem so brave to me. I was just drawn to that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, I mean, part of the reason I have so many like reasons why like this podcast and this, this particular project is interesting to me, but like one of them is I think it's so easy for like you know, people who aren't artists to look at artists and feel like things are very mysterious about us. And like, we just were these like magic brave people forever. And like, (laughs) it just isn't true or it rarely is. I mean, sometimes there are children that you're like, you're an artist. There's nothing that's going to change it. You just, I mean, it's like screaming out of you. Um, but I think most of us like, you know, start, start out a very different way than we end up, which is part of the reason why like identity stuff is interesting to me. Like, um, so I, I think what I'm trying to say is like, I think, you know, a lot of people would look at you now and I'm sure your students do, um, and, and young fans and, and like, just see you like that. So to have you tell the story of like, you know, the first time you like were inspired by something that was like brave and like not scared, um, it's important, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk any more about like what the name of that fear was or like? Uh, I think, I mean, I think part of it was a fear of failure. I think part of it, I mean, any kid that goes through puberty, obvious, um, as soon as they become self-aware, it's like, oh, people have opinions. Yeah. And so fear of what other people thought or just... I mean, it's scary. It's scary to not only put yourself in a vulnerable position. I cannot speak. I apologize. Vulnerable is a hard word to say. Vulnerable position to just share your voice, which is an instrument that is coming out of your body. Yeah. But to do that with words that you have written about emotions that you have felt or a story that you... Ha, are are telling about yourself yeah. I think is terrifying it's super exposed because if someone right it's just it's as close to naked as you can be yeah. and it's 
someone, I mean, if someone says, I don't like that or that's stupid, then it's so personal that it's, it's actually about you. Yeah. Um, or like I often have the experience, um, of like, I I feel like sometimes when I'm singing, I like to like, I think of it like storytelling mm -hmm. and it's not always autobiographical. Like I like to step into like other types of stories and when when I would feel like people were making assumptions about me based on like how well I was telling a certain story, sometimes that would make me really uncomfortable too. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like trying to like come to terms with like the, the difference between like which parts of it were personal and which parts of it were like acting or like, you know, storytelling. I got a lot of anxiety about that as a young person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. N nowadays, I just feel like I'm an enigma. You'll never know. Well, you know and like as you get older, you get com <laughs> you get more comfortable in your skin, and yeah. you. Um, That's what I mean. Like people, if people make some assumption, I'm just like, cool, eh. knock yourself out. Like, right. You can think of me, however, like whatever makes your day. <laughs> well, especially because at a certain point, you realize I don't have the mental space to actually care about that because yeah. there are things that I can actually control, and that's what I'm going to be focusing my time and my energy yeah. on. But like, I remember. So we, I re released my first EP in 2014, um, and it was, I, 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 I hate on it all the time, and people that have been following me from that point, or my husband who produced it, he's like, stop it, like people love, people loved it, and they yeah. did, and it's not that I don't love it, I, that, that project to me was such a struggle because I was still trying to figure out what I sounded yeah. like, I was still in my head just swirling with, but what if I'm to this or what yeah. if I'm to this or what if yeah. I'm not this enough or what is so-and-so going to say or what is so-and-so going to think? And I feel so, the same way about my first album. I think everybody yeah. does. It's not that it was like inauthentic. It was just authentic at a time that I just didn't know right. what I was doing. Right. It was totally authentic to a person who like isn't sure about anything. <laughs> right. Which like yeah. at the time I, uh, I mean, it was, it was very, there were very real feelings and the songs were real, but I, it, it to me, it's slightly jaded by the fact that I was so overwhelmed yeah. at the thought that someone wouldn't like it. And that influenced a lot of my choices. Yeah. No, I totally um, get that. So the first single that we released after that EP was called Pressure. And it's the second song on the full length album that we released last year. And I was still slightly in that space. So there are a lot of, to me, I feel moments where I felt like I was trying too hard yeah. or still trying to figure that out. Um, but I remember when we released that song and then we submitted it to reviews and, um, like publications and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we submitted it to like 40 publications and I was like, this is so exciting. Oh my yeah. gosh. And out of 40 reviews, I think two were positive. Oh my gosh. And the rest were negative. And I, Ugh. when they started coming in, I was like, Oh my God, I'll never survive. I quit. This. Yeah. I quit. But the thing was, <laughs> and I realized this like by the second day that most of them were coming in. Because yeah. the first couple, I, f I felt... It will it will wreck you. Where I was, yeah. oh, girl, I was wrecked. Yeah. But <laughs> when I started seeing the comments, like, it's 
too, I don't know, too dramatic. It's not yeah. dramatic enough. I love the production. Mm-hmm. I hate the vocal. I love the vocal. I hate the production. Yeah. It's too much of this. It, but And then someone would say it's too little of that. And it was just all over the place. Yeah. And granted, at the time, we were also still discovering um, kind of our sound. And so there, I, that being said, I just, in that moment, was like, you know what? You're not going to be everything to everyone. Yeah. So well, you may as well oh, go ahead. Sorry. So you no, just no. you may as well create what you want. Yeah. And then that's it. And so that yeah. song was honestly a turning point for me because having struggled through it, having still been in that mentality while creating it. Yeah. Um by the time we got to the second song that we re- the second single that we released before the album came out, I was more sure than I had ever been about anything. I mean, granted, there's still always a, is this the right sound? Is this the right this? But it was the first time that I had approached something. And again, not from a songwriting standpoint, because when it comes to just the bare bones songwriting aspect of it, um, that's less to me. I, that, this applies less to that and more to the the, like the sound of it yeah. and the execution of yeah. it and what it sounds like and the arrangements yeah. and the all of that. And so in that song, I think that was the first time that I felt sure yeah. or a sense of sureness yeah. or was at least on my way there. Yeah. And that was an amazing feeling. Yeah. And that song, I think, came out two years ago. Yeah. Wow. So I was 28. So yeah. if that tells you anything, <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, yeah, I want to talk about this more like in a minute or, you know, in a little bit, but yeah, this, I, I've been obsessed recently about like this idea of like authenticity and like how flexible that is and how quickly it changes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like I, I'm, I'm, it it's weirds me out that more artists aren't talking about like, well, what was authentic to me like a few years ago is like, you know, it just like, it's such a, it's such a process like to even figure out what is authentic. Mm-hmm. Even if you like are trying as hard as you can, it's just like, it's really tricky. It's mm-hmm. so hard. Um, I was going to say something before. I don't remember. Whatever. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> what were we talking about? I felt like it was like a thing that I wanted to ask you about. Darn it. I've lost it. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, okay. So let's, let's go back and just like connect some of those dots. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, sometimes <laughs> people will criticize something that you like totally did on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like when so if someone says like, it's too dramatic and you're like, I'm going for the most, like I wanted it to be dramatic. Right. Like even sometimes if you, you can get criticism about something that you like love about it. And that is also a totally bizarre feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I mean, getting criticized about something that you already felt a little bit like worried about or like, is this going to be okay? like, if, if you get criticized about the thing that you like felt kind of worried about, mm-hmm. that is a bad feeling. But like getting criticized about something you thought was great about it is mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's better and worse, but all this to say, putting out music or any art, it's so subjective, right? Like hearing people's feedback, no matter what it is, uh, it, or someone will praise you for something that you didn't mean to do, mm-hmm. or they'll give you some compliment that you're like, ew, you know, like, it's just like, it's, ugh. and there's, 
there's no solving it. So like the only way to move forward is just like, if you like it, you just have to like, you just have to be okay. Right. You just have to be like, I like it. I would buy it. I would listen to it. That's all. And that honestly, there's a, there's such a level of confidence and security that comes with that because it takes a very secure person. Like say you've bought this dress and it's like bright colored and fitted and it really shows you off. And it takes a very confident person to wear that dress without apology. Yeah. So, and that's, and then someone may say, Ew, it's too bold. And you're like, well, bold was kind of the goal. That's here. what I was going yeah. for. So thanks. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that I I that was always what I wanted to be. And granted, you still have days where you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. like crippling self-doubt creeps up all the time because we're human and yeah. and that's a thing. But um again, my favorite artists were the ones who were making unapologetic art. And that's what I wanted to do. And so getting to a place where I felt like that's, that's what I, that's where I was, was really cool and weird. And again, that doesn't mean that you don't feel insecure about certain things, but, but like wear the dress. Yeah. Like not everyone's going to love it, but if you love it, who cares? Well, when you like stuff, that's kind of like brave and weird and whatever, like just it's polarizing. Like you just very polarizing. it's, It's what's going to happen. But, but yeah, I mean, yes, there's always that like totally soft underbelly. That's like, Oh, but just like me and don't say mean things about like <laughs> the things that I made. True. This is true. <laughs> it can get so fragile. And then like, I don't know. It's like you're both like you're brave and you're like confident and you're like brazen and bold. And then you're also like so but still like soft it though, please. and like so <laughs> like, you know, like there are these such fragile things and like the the trickiest thing about it is like you must preserve both because mm-hmm. like you need that soft thing to like create too yeah like it's so it's just it's like this dance and I I try to be very like lately I mean I'm 31 so like I'm very aware that I'm in the center of my life but like I I try to like have kind of a radical acceptance approach with those days. Like there's going to be days where I'm like, I'm such a badass. I'm killing it. (laughs) Like I have the coolest ideas. Like, I mean, with all the things and like, if I have a day like that, I'll say to Andrew, my husband, like brushing our teeth and I'm like, I am so beautiful. (laughs) I'll be like, how do you even handle it? Like, look at my face. (laughs) You know, like when I have a day that I'm feeling like that and I'm like, my eyeliner is just like, perfect how am I supposed to wash my makeup off tonight right or like I write a line of lyrics that I'm just like oh yeah like you know or whatever it is right like I try to really like take that because like I know that there's going to be a day where I'm like how did my face get like this (laughs) (laughs) it's so true but why are these bags under my eyes or like a line like one day you write a line and you're like man this line's amazing or you make a track or something that you're like yeah Yeah. like you leave the studio like man i'm really and then you walk in the next day and listen to it listen to the exact same thing you're like oh my gosh this is terrible what have i done but and and that's 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 art it's highs and lows and 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 having 
having that level of vulnerability. It's a hard word. Say this word today. Vulnerability. Um, because especially if your art is one that's polarizing. Yeah. Um, and not, you are making music for people. That's the whole point is connecting to people and telling your story and knowing that, so it's not like your guns blazing, you know, I'm going to make music for me. And yeah. I don't, I don't love that either yeah. because the whole point of music is connection yeah. and yeah. all of that. But, um, it's realizing that your story isn't for everyone yeah, and that's okay. And the way that you tell it isn't for everyone and that's okay. But those people that yeah. hear it and the way that you told it and it really touch them and it becomes a line of communication between you. That's what honestly for me makes it so worth it and why it's so important for me to feel like I'm creating something that is authentically me. Yeah. So that when someone says this, this really touched me, I can say, thank you. Like that. And that, and that goes back. Right. Yeah. Like from a, from a line, from a part, a time in my life that I was really struggling. And for someone to say I was struggling and that line really meant something to me like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The thing that I, that I try to remember, like, cause I also get kind of hung up on this, like, well, if I'm making it for me, it's like this weird vanity project. And Mm -hmm. like, but I try to think of it more like, I'm making art for people like me. Like right. I'm making art for like the people who are like me, who don't do music or who do. And there are other people who are like me who are making TV. That's like for me. Right. And there are people who are like me who are like making podcasts and writing books and owning businesses and making clothes. And, you know, we, and, and some of us like the, like me is like a, more people. Right. And for some of us, the like me is like just our little bunch. Um, you know, like just our little group. Well, right. But regardless, you're making meaningful something, whether it be art or whatever yeah. it is for those people. Like if you, if you were to write a book, not everyone in the world would read that book. Right. And not everyone, some people may see that book and choose not to read it because it doesn't apply yeah. to them or because that's not, you know, for, they may not like the cover or yeah. whatever. Like, or people, they might read it and be like, I did not like that. I did not like that. But there are going to be people who read that and it changes their lives. Yeah. And that is, I think that's not the only reason why we create, but that's, it's a huge reason why yeah. we create is to connect to those people. Yeah. And then the people that don't like it, that's a, yeah, it's that's not okay. it's not for them. It's not for yeah. you and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I developing that kind of mentality and that sort of thick skin over the last several years for me has been really good. Yeah. Because then when you stop asking, but what what will X Y and Z think about this yeah. or when you stop having that thought in your head, it allows you to actually create better yeah. and create more because those are just those are just roadblocks. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that person probably will They're, like it. Yeah. Or Especially, they just aren't going to ever listen to it. And it just is like, it's pointless to think about it. Right. And that's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. You have no control over any of those things. Yeah. One of the things that I tell my students all the time, because that is such a common mentality and a common approach to any sort of performance or artistic endeavor is, but what if they don't think I'm good? Yeah. Or, but what if 
blah, blah, blah. Um, so I always, as, um, as a practice, we'll have them pull up either their favorite artist um, that they're really into right now, or if they can't think of one, you know, we'll go to like a, a Beyonce, Beyonce video. I was going to say it's girl. I do the same. I like, I know what you're about to say because yeah. I do it too, but please. Yeah. And us. then you go to whatever <laughs> song they think is the best song by her yeah. or whatever, like whatever it is. Yeah. And then you go to the video and you see how many thousands or millions of views there are, yeah. how many hundreds of thousands of likes there are and how many thousands of dislikes there are thousands there are thousands and I asked can you imagine having thousands of people dislike something that you've put into the world yeah thousands of people and they're always like no yeah but look at the ratio yeah and does that mean that whoever that artist is should stop creating yeah absolutely not yeah I do the same thing when they're like what if people don't like it I'm like people will not like it like there will, there like when a hundred percent will be people who don't like it. Like, yes. Like who's your favorite? How many people do you know that don't like them? Right. And then they're like, oh, you don't want, like, but when it's yourself, it's just hard. It is hard. But that's why like, it's so important to talk about, you know, before, okay, Beyonce, maybe she's different, but before Imogen Heap was Imogen Heap, before right. you were you, like you had to have that moment where you had the first thought of like, there's going to be one person who's going to have a negative opinion. You know, like you have Mm -hmm. to start from that, like, you know, it's easy to look at Beyonce and be like, okay, well, she doesn't care about those thousands because like she's Beyonce and like she knows she's Beyonce. right? And and like looking and, you know, it's possible Beyonce always knew she was Beyonce. She might be like the one. Uh, But Kelly Clarkson for sure is Mm -hmm. not like that. I mean, how many like super, super famous people who we admire and love and like think are amazing, you know, definitely were that kid saying like, what if someone doesn't like it and going Mm -hmm. like, well, I guess I'll find out. Right. You can either worry about that and that keep you from doing it or eventually you just have to get over it. Yeah. Because if you really want to do it, you just, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. And, and sometimes that means like the the other part of that story is like sometimes it means when you do it, your first project, you're like in the middle of doing it. Like mm-hmm. you aren't, you know, or your second or your third or like, you know, the first debt, like who knows? Like who knows how we like as fairly young adults will like look back on this time when we're like in our 50s and be like, oh, the stuff I was doing then, like I was so happy with it. And like now I like see all these other options, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just, I don't know, which is why I just think it's important. It's important to talk. It's important to talk about it. It feels like it to me, but maybe like I get obsessed with like, I love people. Like I get obsessed a little bit with like, but what do you think about that? Like, what does that experience feel like from inside your brain? (laughs) I just like, I want to know. And then, you know, I'm like, well, podcasts are a thing, so I can just ask people. <laughs> well, I think too, in a in a time right now where social media, I mean, uh, social media is so great for so many reasons, but it's also so intimidating because then all you see is like the good stuff and the and all of that, yeah. and so it a lot of times, especially like my younger artists, um, like that I'm teaching or working with, they 
will say, but I'm struggling in this way and no one knows what that's like. You know, yeah. everyone else has it all together and yeah. I don't. And I'm like, oh girl. Yeah. Oh sister, <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> and I think that's why it's also important to talk about it yeah. and to be a part of a community of people yeah. that, cause a lot, a lot of our friends are not artists. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of our friends are, Yeah. and we are able to have genuine conversations where it just, it's really, Obviously, you hate for someone else to feel the way you do when that feeling is negative, yeah. like crippling self-doubt. I, yeah. I I hate for people to yeah. feel that. But there is something so nice about feeling that. And then someone else mm-hmm. says, oh, my God, me too. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> totally. And then you can just commiserate together. Yeah. And then in that also build each other up yeah. and encourage each other because it is art is so personal. And when you get into the, like you said, like there are days that you wake up and you're like, man, I look fly. And then the end of the day, you're like, is this the face that I've had all day? And then it's the same face that you have tomorrow. And you're like, man, my face looks great. And then nothing changes. And it just, it's this really kind of up and down of confidence slash self-doubt slash confidence again. And it's, but that's, human nature and that's how we function. And I think that's why it's good to have these kinds of conversations. Yeah. And I think like specifically with art, like, I don't know, I spend so much time just like, I'm, I just, I'm always thinking about this kind of stuff. And I wonder sometimes if like, if there's anything unique about artists, which like, again, there are so many types of artists, we're so many people, but if there's anything unique there, I think it's maybe that we just like pay attention to that stuff extra. Like, I don't mean more than like anyone, but like more artists think about stuff than non-artists maybe, you know, like as like generally, I think we tend to, you almost like can't avoid thinking about it if you're an artist, right? because in order to do your job, you kind of have to be like open and kind of vulnerable and kind of like, well, and you're more on display. Yes. So I think that that has a lot to do with it too. But sometimes I think if we as artists like talk about this stuff and what it actually feels from the inside to be on display, to keep creating stuff, even though you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Then I hope, like, I wonder, and I hope that, you know, if people are listening who aren't artists, that they'll maybe feel like, oh, I can, like, even if I'm not making art, I can, like, think creatively mm-hmm. about what I'm going through. I can think creatively about what other people might be going through. Um, I don't know. I feel like, it, for me, like, art is one thing. Creativity is really the thing that I think is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of us that have chosen to make creativity, like, a real serious part of our lives... I mean, I just feel like we we should talk about how we're doing that. And I hope that it can be something that like I would like to see more creativity like from people in general. And I don't mean like art projects, you know. Right. I just mean like creative like energy. Um so I also think like maybe as an art community that's like something we can talk about and like share. Um Okay, let's talk about like your like college time. So I we already talked about it a bunch. I think I think like the things that I mostly want to make sure that we cover are like how did you how did you make the decision to like make music, make art your profession? And then how did you actually like what were kind of the important steps in like going from being like a serious student to like 
professional. Um, I know it's a lot, but just like whatever (laughs) feels the most like important to you. I mean, I, we, I mean, we talked about this before. I, I always knew, not always, but I, I knew that I was going to write and make music from, I mean, when I was a teenager, yeah. as soon as I started, as soon as you heard Fru Fru, as soon as I heard Fru Fru, well, even yeah. I like really growing up, I always wanted to be a singer. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really just want to be a singer, although I love singing and I do, I, I, I mean, I think my voice is okay. You have a gorgeous um, voice. <laughs> I've always thought so well, from like the you. very first day I heard you sing in Hildegan's class. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about college. Yeah. Man. I mean, I remember because we, for the listeners, Shannon and I started at North Texas the same semester. So we were, you know, scared, I think. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Oh, I was totally terrified. I was scared. And, um, you know, just looking around the room at like all of the most girls in Trent, girls in Trenton Hole <laughs> in our <laughs> class, and um, just feeling like, I felt like I'm not a competitive person. Like that's just not in me. I remember just looking around and just feeling like all of these girls and Trent are so like amazing. And like, how are they so brave? Like, how do they know? Like, how are their voices so like stylized? Like I was just like in awe. And I, especially I like, I distinctly remember thinking about you. Like how does, how does, like I felt like I was always trying to get my voice to sound like a specific, like what I th- had been told was like the right sound. And I felt like your voice seemed so free to me. And I remember thinking like her voice is just her voice. And I was like very impressed. Well, you are so <laughs> sweet. I can tell you with full confidence that I was terrified <laughs> and I literally thought everyone in that class had everything together and knew what they were doing and I had no idea. I we all just thought that like I cuz I felt the same way. I was like nobody can know that like I have no idea about literally anything. And I'm internally screaming all yeah. the time. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I was terrified all the time. Yeah. Like it was a really scary program. 100% <laughs> of the time, but I felt like that with anyone who was also singing or whatever I I was just like oh well they have it all together and I obviously don't so I need to not let them know um it's so sad it is so sad why didn't we talk about it I don't know I I really though like here's the here's like the truth when I decided to audition for North Texas I didn't know anything I had never had a teacher who knew anything about jazz um I chose my audition pieces. This is, I'm not kidding you. I chose my audition pieces a full year in advance and I practiced them for a year. And I swear to you, I got into the program because like I sang those two pieces well. And I think they just assumed like, if she can sing these like this, then she can, but it was just those two. Mm -hmm. Like I, there was, I, I knew when I went to school, I knew Skylark and Twisted and that's all, you know? Can I tell you something? (laughs) Yeah. I knew Angel Eyes by, oh my gosh, Shannon. Can I help? Give me a clue. Scat Queen. 
Ella. Ella. Good <laughs> gracious. My favorite jazz artist. And I literally, I was like, Etta James. That's not right. Nope. <laughs> I literally knew Angel Eyes by Ella Fitzgerald and Nice Work If You Can Get It by Rosemary Clooney. And I had listened to two of their live versions over and over and over again. Yeah. And I sang them exactly the way that they were yeah. on the recordings. And I remember Paris Rutherford asking me, so who are your favorite jazz artists? Yeah, yeah. And I said- I got that question too. Ella Fitzgerald <laughs> and Rosemary Clooney. <laughs> well, when he asked me that, I was like, John Schofield? Because like, I didn't know any singers. I just didn't. I didn't know any. I didn't know any jazz singers. I was listening to instrumental jazz that I found at Barnes & Noble, and I was listening to Broadway. And that's all. So like, he was like, what Sh singers Sh do you like? And Chicago, I was like, the um, soundtrack of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> what singers do you like? I was like, uh, Ella Fitzgerald. But like, had I been listening to Ella Fitzgerald? Hard no. <laughs> I was listening to like John Schofield and Modesky Martin and Wood and like a love supreme. See, this is just making me feel so much better about life. Yeah. <laughs> See, and this is part of the whole thing that we're talking about is once you realize that like yeah. no one has any idea what they're doing yeah. and they're just as scared as you are. Yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. <sighs> I think it's possible that Trent was not scared. No. <laughs> he knew. Well, he was like, oh, blah, 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 the la, 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 and this person. And I was like, okay. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything that you're saying. Shh. Yes. But you don't want to let on that yeah. you don't know. Like, uh-huh, totally. So yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have to just remember you were 18. You know, that's the thing I right. try to tell myself most of the time. Like, just, Emily, think about the 18-year-olds that you know now. And, like, how easy would it be for you to forgive them for, like, being totally ignorant about things? They're 18. You know? Right. And so, so were you. But when you, but when you're in... Like when I put my memory back to that room, I just think like I'm in a very serious institution mm -hmm. where people really have their shit together mm -hmm. and I super don't. And like, I'm worried that if anyone finds out the extent to which I don't have my shit together, they will kick me out of here. Yep. Yeah. So anything that all the things that you're saying that you just bravery and put together, yeah. those are not things that I would use to describe myself in that point in my life at all not even a little bit not even remotely so the i <laughs> i appreciate that very much but absolutely not it's how i remember it but that's that's so funny it's so funny that you say that because i see that so much in my in my young students they just as talented as they are they're like well everyone else is more talented than i am yeah and you're like but you're like, amazing like no they're not you yeah dummy <laughs> I feel that way too about my students I just like I'm in love with every single one of them like you're so like uh, you're so, I'm amazed by you right and I I wish I wish that I had the opportunities that you have yeah. at this age and even some of the like I have a student right now who's 17 and her boyfriend recently boyfriend boyfriend <laughs> her boyfriend recently <laughs> broke up with her and she was like yeah I mean I'm not gonna beg him to stay with me if he wants to be with me then that's great you're just like how are you doing that? right and she was like he I I deserve someone that's gonna fight for me and oh it's gonna stick gosh. around and if that's not what he's gonna do then I you're deserve like, better and I was like <laughs> I 
what? I feel that way about my my teenage girls too. Like they'll they'll come in with just like like just the their presence. I'm just like you're so cool. And then like when they think I'm cool, I'm like you when don't you're know. like as old as I am, you're going to be like mega cool. Right. Cuz it took I'm like I'm starting to be as cool as you like now. Right. But I right. <laughs> like to have that sense of that kind of wisdom at 17. Ugh. But granted I think going back to our, like the original question, I think that we were going for. So I, I feel like my journey, I feel like I, I took a lot of detours and a yeah. lot of roundabouts and a lot of, it took me longer to get where I am, which I, it used to bother me. And sometimes I, it does make me a little sad, especially, you know, seeing a 17 year old yeah. who is already doing it. And I'm I like, fully oh. relate to that. It took me so long to get here just because I feel like I was driven a lot by fear. Yeah. However, I do feel that all of those choices were obviously so crucial to yeah. my growth and to getting to where I am that I, I needed all of them. So yeah. I, I didn't, I released my first, thing when I was 24 and feeling like, man, I'm old. Yeah. Which is dumb. I, I also was 24 when my first album came out. And Girl, also felt, we, why have we why, not talked about any of these well, things before? I, I have been like <laughs> spying on you for 10 years and feeling like, I think I have a lot in common with Shannon. So, well, it's true. Yeah. It's very true. It just, it's, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the time I, I knew, I knew where I was going to end up, but I was so scared that I, I wanted to feel like I could do something else. Yeah. And then when I, 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 through trial and error, like, Oh, you know what? I don't like this, you know? And yeah. so when it, at the end of the day, for me, knowing that this, even though I didn't really know what this was going to look like yeah. at any point, knowing that this was this was always where i was supposed to be because everything else didn't make sense. Yeah. And yeah. i tried the yeah. other things. I yeah. i worked a desk job and i i got a, a couple degrees that i do use all the time, yeah. but i was thinking that that was going to be my end trajectory yeah. and then it ended up taking me somewhere else to somewhere else and so all of all of that to say i i i thought that i could want something different. Yeah. And I, I never could. Yeah. So for me, this was always where I, I thought that I would end up, but I, I think I just out of a lot of years of trying to talk myself out of it because I was scared yeah. and because of all of those reasons that we've previously Do you want to like about. say a couple of those? Like, I mean, cause before we started recording, you were maybe mentioning like some fears about like family and money. And like, I mean, I, I don't know. I think like we, feel like those things can be unspoken because like we both like know mm -hmm. but I think like maybe I feel like it's worth it maybe from my perspective to say out loud like some of the names of these fears are like what will it look like to be married right. if I'm like a, a professional singer right um what will it look like to like what kind of a what kind of will I have stability right um and those are like those are like really specific fears. I I thought specifically about those things too. My contact lens is all dry because I was traveling yesterday. <laughs> you know how it happens. <laughs> uh, the dryness. 
the airplane dryness. Oh, and it's cold here, so it's... I did come from Salt Lake, which is way drier. Oh. Actually, this morning when I was putting on makeup, I was like, my skin is dewy. <laughs> I was like, it's wet in here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think like, I, I really relate to what you're saying of like, it's just, it's just the only answer. I still sometimes think like, you know, when there are things about my job that are hard or when I have those kind of like days where I still feel really scared or I feel like, am I just missing something? Like, is this whole, is this like a, is this a joke? Like, am I a joke? Like, (laughs) you know, like I have these kind of like, how is this sustainable? Like some days it feels so difficult that I feel like, you know, how can I be doing this for another 20 years right? or 30 or 40 or 50? Um, and then like, I just, I picture myself like doing something else and I, I just can't even, right. It's just not an option. Right. And, and if ever, and it's, it's, you know, that's a little bit like, like that's some privilege, you know, like, I mean, the truth is like, it is an option. And if I like needed to do a different kind of a job, like I could do another job. Sure. But like, you know, I know that I'm going to be like the most productive and I'm going to be the most, uh, the best like version of myself if I keep being creative. Right. And I think if something like tragic happened, like, you know, throat cancer or like something where like you can't like literally cannot sing or cannot play the piano or like, you know, you, you stop being able to hear, I know I would be doing something creative. Mm -hmm. Like I would be doing all the same stuff in some kind of another medium, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't know. I think when you have the kind of like safe rule following thing that's trying to like uh, beat up against like this creative whatever, mm-hmm. it's just a problem that is just going to solve itself by you like being creative. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I do think about that. And there, there are times, I mean, and we've all been there, any person who does music for a living, there are times when I don't love music because it's hard. Yeah. Um, and not to say that I don't love music at all, but like, like that day, that day, yeah. there are times when I literally drive in silence. I do it too. <sighs> and or, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, Andrew will put on like the radio, like after I finish teaching and I'll just be like, I can't hear yeah. any more notes. I can't, today. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. And, and my, my husband, we have a record player in our kitchen and we'll come home and he'll, he'll go in his, he's, he's a collector. So he's got a lot going on but he'll just go pick something and put it on and I'm and whatever it is is a lovely and he usually picks based on what he thinks that I'm gonna want to listen to that day and um and sometimes I'm just like can you turn that off yeah I don't I don't want it or like the the one that I'm the most like embarrassed about but like you know like I said I try to have kind of like radical acceptance about these things but you know sometimes Andrew will put on something that's like I love like it'll be like a singer who I love Mm -hmm. and like I'm having like the type of insecurity where like listening to someone that I love makes me feel sad yeah (laughs) I'm like I can't listen to that because I because I feel like if she's in the world like there's no point of me (laughs) well you can't objectively (laughs) listen to it for the sake I think honestly at the end of the process of putting my record out after, oh, was it? I think it was after mixing 
And then when we sent it to master, I, I had a really hard time listening to music for the sake of listening to music yeah. because I was trying, I was listening for a reference or, Oh, right. I, this is what I want my highs to sound like, or I, this is totally. what I want the compression of my vocal to sound like or, or whatever, whatever. And so it was really hard for me to listen to music. Yeah. Just because I love it. The context is like so warped. Oh my gosh. So there were, there, there was about a month where I don't think I listened to music at all, which is sad to say, Yeah. but that's, I was just so exhausted from the process. And then I remember, um, one of my influence, one of my, one of my huge influences is James Blake. And I remember, um, putting his record back on in the car and when I was driving somewhere and I was like, <sighs> yeah, and I just listened to it yeah, and it, I just, I, and I was able to feel something and that was it. And it was like, Oh, cause I think too, a lot of times as creatives, we get really, uh, I don't know if analytical is the right word, but we get so involved in the process yeah. of making it that we, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see the forest for yeah. the trees. You, you have a hard time just like, appreciating it. Um, so that's something that I've really had to work on. Granted, I'm far removed from that It came out a year ago. So I'm, I'm so far removed from that, that it's not as much of an issue anymore, but I know that once I start getting back into the studio and working on new things, that's going to, it's going to be more of a thing. Um, but I think finding that balance is really important. Um, yeah, it is. Okay. So like we're already, we're here. So let's talk about, um, the podcast is called artifice because like, first of all, it's a cool word. Second of all, I just believe that like, you know, it's not, it's not so much that I believe that we have things that are inauthentic or artificial, but I think our, our creativity always has this dance between like, you know, like just all these things we've been talking about, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the art is one thing. And then like, you know, the, the immediate like backstory of that is like, I couldn't listen to music for a month, you know, like it's this weird. So we've already talked about so much, but I like to talk with people about like, like how they're balancing kind of like, I mean, I, I don't even want to make it a binary because like, it just might not be, but like how they're balancing, like the stuff that feels so like that pure, like inspiration, like intuition, um, and whatever else it is. So do you have any, like, I don't know, do you have any sort of like practices or, um, like philosophies about how you balance like that stuff, whatever it is? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you genuinely like whatever it is that you're doing, people will also like it. So for me, and that's kind of the point that I've, I've gotten to is like, as an artist, especially on social media and all of that, you kind of have to do some of the kitschy stuff. Yeah. You have to have, have branding. You just, you, you do, have to. but if it's based on the things that you already like, yeah. then that is, I think the thing that makes the difference. So I like, for example, I didn't know how to play guitar until last year. And then when we were trying to figure out our live setup, we were kind of at a loss because we wanted to do the vocal sampling and all of, and synthesizers and doing all, all these really 
interesting things that we do on the record, yeah. but then it's also really guitar driven because I love the way that it sounds, even though I don't play it, which is interesting, but I just, I, I wanted that, that live, like organic feel, yeah. Yeah. um, while still making electronic and using all of my, you know, my influences and all of that. So we got to a point where we just said it was impossible for Jonathan to play everything. Yeah. And so I had, I started, I'd, I had been already kind of fiddling with learning the guitar. Yeah. And then one day it was a conversation that we had when we just decided, okay, I'm playing guitar now. Yeah. So when it came to, I, I, I had, been learning and was getting better. And so then it came down to buying, buying a guitar yeah. and I fell in love with this. Um, it's a street, it's a Gretsch streamliner junior and it's bright blue. And that is like the conversation piece. Anytime yeah. anyone sees our setup, they just like are drawn to our, to my guitar. Yeah. And honestly, it wasn't, it, I didn't buy it as I didn't get it as the statement piece, but like it became that. And the same thing with a lot of our setup, like we use a, we use a machine MK3, which uh, Jonathan makes beats and we have like vocal triggers and, um, you know, things like that. And then I have my vocal pedal, which I do a lot of live looping and, and all of that was a means to try to create the thing that we had made on the record. But then because of all of that, that became like the, the, the statement yeah. pieces. Like when totally. people see the, the loop pedal, they're like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool. Yeah. And it, and when I saw Kimbra, when she, cause it's the same one that she has. Yeah. And that's honestly why I even was interested in it because yeah. I was like, I want to do that. That's so cool. Yeah. And so those things became like the things, but I, f- I feel like if, if we had tried initially, and that's just, you know, going to our live setup because that's, I mean, we're right now perfect, in the middle of I mean, this, playing it's shows. A perfect example. But cause if it's, if that was something that we started with, yeah. you know, if I started with the vocal loop pedal and he started with, and granted not to say that you can't start that way, yeah. but for us, I think those 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 became the tools that we needed to create the music that we had made in the studio. Yeah. Um, and then because of that, it's so, it is really interesting to see, uh, and the fact there's, there's only two of us whenever we perform live and there's so much going on is, is kind of, you know, another topic of, of conversation, but honestly, that wasn't the reason why we did it. We did it kind of just cause we had to, um, it was out of necessity right. and then it became that thing and that, and then it became part of our brand. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that that, and, and, and granted when you're young and you start creating, there are a lot of things that you do because they look cool or yeah. because it feels cool. Sure. Even if that's not like authentic, authentic, that's totally what I like. Yes. Yeah. But at the time you don't know what authentic is. So it is exactly. essentially authentically yeah. you. And then yeah. that's, it's kind of you just discovering what, what that, what that yeah, is and totally. what that means. And then it becomes like some of those things do end up becoming part of you. Yeah. And then the ones that don't, I mean, essentially tend to fall away or become yeah. something else. Yeah. I think that's, that's a perfect example. Like, you know, of, of just like something that doesn't mean kind of what it looks like it means, but then it sort of starts to, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's an excellent example of like, this kind of art and artifice question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also just like with this authenticity thing, like, y- you know, yeah, sometimes you, 
you take on a new role like guitar player for like this totally practical reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone who saw you the week before and you weren't using guitar might be like, you're not a guitar player. And it's like, yeah, I am now, you know, and then like in 10 years, it's like, I'm a guitar player, you know? So like authenticity is just, it's something, it's not fixed. It's mm -hmm. just like, it kind of, ooh, you know? And I think that's something that some of us, I don't know, I like to ask people about it. I suspect that everyone is wrestling with it, whether or not they're doing it like super right. consciously. Because if you're always creating and you're always doing new stuff, like you should be pushing a boundary, I think. And like you said before, like art is a reflection of yourself, which I think is true. But also sometimes like it goes the other way. Like, you know, the the art that you made made you have to like mm -hmm. get these different skills. And then that becomes like part of your identity. Absolutely. So it's a weird like the art, the identity, the identity, the art. What's authentic now? What's authentic next year? What was authentic when I did my first album? It's just, it's messy. It is messy. But and when you're look, sorry, go ahead. No, no. It just, you, you don't, sometimes you don't really know what you are until you dry that thing. Yeah. And then that may not even be what, what it is, but you, it just, I, at like at a certain point, you kind of just have to try yeah. and then too, like so much of your art I feel like when you're as an artist if you're struggling with self-conscious and self-confidence good grief I cannot speak today if you're <laughs> struggling with self-confidence in your personal life that's going to affect your art totally but if you're but art is such a way or creativity or whatever can help build your confidence yeah so that you feel more confident and then it's you're like more cycle. willing to try things and yeah. then you know like one of, one of the songs on the record went through four, was it four, three, I think it's on it. So the final one is its third full round of production. Wow. Full drums, yeah. everything minus wow. lead vocals. Yeah. And at the time, like when we first wrote the song, that's what it felt like it needed to be. Yeah. And it had this like drum beat and it was, and it was, it was cool. And it, at the time it felt like that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. But then at the end of the production process, it, we both got to the point where we were like, this isn't something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. This is, this isn't, this isn't it. It's not mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. But that's not it. And so we went through the second round and that's, I was, we were listening to a lot of mute math and a lot of, that's when we started getting into the, all the synthy stuff yeah. and there was this really bright synth on it and the timing was, was different. And then all of, and it was, it was, it, it wasn't bad, yeah, but it wasn't right. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it was, it was good, but that wasn't it. Yeah. And then out of frustration, we, <laughs> Um, so my husband, Jonathan, produced the record. Um, he's an incredible producer, incredible creative. Uh, there, there are several of the songs that we co-wrote, this being one of them. Um, in the second round of production, we we were about to record vocals, and I said, let's listen to it once through so I can just get a feel for it. Yeah. And as we were listening to it, I was staring at the floor. Yeah, you're like, no. Just staring just... at the floor. And he could just, he he saw it all over my face, and yeah. he said, you hate it, don't you? Yeah. I said, I don't want to say yes, but, but yes. Yeah. 
And he was like, okay, I'm going to need a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to leave. The yeah. room. He was, I've never, he's in our entire five years of marriage. I've, we met in college. I've known him for 12 years. I've, I've never seen him like yeah. that with me. And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to, I got to fix this song. We got to come up with an idea today because that's just what's going to have to happen. And so, and it's not that it was, and then we out of frustration and all of that found, found the right sound and then rolled with it. And that's, but it, it needed to, it needed to go through those. That like trauma. It, kind of. it needed yeah. to, it just, it had to, I don't think that song would have been what it was if yeah. it hadn't gone through the two rounds prior, which yeah. sucks because it's so much time yeah. and effort. Yeah. And at the time you don't, and a lot of, a lot of that, like that's essential, like, I don't think it was inauthentic. It just wasn't right. Yeah. And I think that's obviously a lot of figuring out who you are as an artist yeah. and even knowing that, like, if I approach that song today, yeah it would probably sound different than it did that day, even though I feel like that was the right sound for it. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's a lot. It's like alive, like you're alive and it's confused. Like you're confused. Right. And it's like, yeah. I mean, I totally get that. I, I don't do production, but I've had really similar experiences to that with just writing where like, I, I have something that's like done in the sense that it like, functions Mm -hmm. you know like it can it has a beginning and a middle and an end uh but I'm just like I don't know and then like I take it apart and like reassemble it and make the make the chorus the pre-chorus and like you know just it's a Frankenstein Mm -hmm. and then I'm like this is a Frankenstein it's why it what have I done what have I made (laughs) and then I like come back to it a few days later and I'm like you're not a Frankenstein and like you know give it like add some interludes like give it some finesse and then I have created something that I just feel like I never could have just I never this there just was no other way to get here Mm -hmm. it's not like I could have sat down in like a better more authentic mood and come come up with this Mm -hmm. it had to like that was that was the path to this thing um and I'm sure we all have experiences like that Um, but when someone's looking at your branding and they're looking at, you know, they're just, I'm sure it's very difficult to imagine. Like this is a person, Mm -hmm. these are people who get worried and who aren't sure and who aren't confident, you know, I don't know. It's, it's so great. Isn't it great? It's so, we posted a video this morning on Instagram and sent out an email and did all of that. And the whole time I'm like, oh. Like his other things. I mean, and the video looks fantastic. Our friend David did it and it, the, the video looks amazing. Um, and there are just moments that I'm like, Oh, I sound bad here. I don't like this or whatever, whatever. But then you post it on social media and it's like, Oh, it has, everything has it all together and it just has to, um, especially right now. I feel like when it comes to figuring out your brand, I don't, I have a love hate relationship with that word because I feel like at the beginning there were a lot of things like, so when, so when I started this whole project, it was me and it was my ukulele and I had a hat and yeah. I made YouTube videos. Yeah. And it's totally different now. And it's totally different now. And yeah. I've since lost the hat. Cause I, I think at the time it was me. And then I think I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I do look cute in the hat, but I think I'm just wearing the hat because people are wearing hats right now. Yeah. And I don't, 
Yeah. It's annoying. It falls off and yeah. I keep catching my strap on it. And yeah. it's just, I, it's I not like you knew you didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. But at the time it was like, oh, I need to wear a hat or I need yeah. to, I need some kind of a, a thing. A thing. You, yeah. you, and you have to have your thing. And so I was the girl with the hat and the ukulele and I, which is cute and fine. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually I, and I, I, I think on the record, I, I honestly tried to remove myself far from that because I felt at the time that it was so kitschy and like I was trying too hard and, and all of yeah. that. And it felt to me like it wasn't yeah. as real that uh, as I, I don't know. And so on the record, there's a song called Bluebird. I was actually on the EP and that song I had written on ukulele. And so we put it on ukulele on the record and it mm. has like 808s and it's got, that was yeah. our first song that we kind of started just, we're like, whatever. And we tried all this stuff and yeah. ended up loving it. And so we loved it so much. I didn't want it to go away. I wanted yeah. to revisit it with some of our newfound knowledge and instrumentation. And so we put it on the record, um, again and I really alive we had been playing it on electric so my husband was playing it on electric guitar and it had this like kind of bluesy feel and I really I really liked it and so on the record I wanted to to record it the way that we did it live on the electric and it just didn't it didn't feel yeah. right it didn't yeah. feel right and so we I, 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 I we tried all these different versions of it and sounds and you know just just different, different things and, um, like different reverbs and different, yeah. different tone qualities. And right. it just, it just wasn't right. And yeah. at the end of the day, we went back to the uke and that was it. Yeah. It's and awesome. I was like, <sighs> but yeah. that, now I love it. Now yeah. I'm so glad that we did that because you had to know, you had to know. Yeah. I think, I think part, I think we, we strive for, not being fake. And I think sometimes in an effort to not be fake, I feel like sometimes we get afraid to try things totally. because you're like, well, this isn't me, but yes. how do you know unless you do it? That's exactly what this whole conversation is. Like, yes. How can you know if something is authentic? If you haven't ever tried it on, if you, if you, if you have to never change in order to stay authentic, boring, you're then never are, is it, then are anything. you really authentic? Because is that really, or I, are you just like not letting yourself evolve in an authentic way? Right. You know, it's so like, yeah, yeah. And I also think like I I get frustrated about branding too for that same reason, which is like this feels right now. I hope it can stick a little. Like I hope I can at least create like a through line because like I don't know. I mean, when I look back at like my, I have a new album that's about to come out <gasps> soon. It's finished. It's been finished for like a while, but. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like my life has been kind of chaotic. So I'm just like, I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm just preparing to like meet my own album. Like, you know, yeah, I, it, I, I got it ready and now I'm trying to get me ready. Totally um, get it. Thanks. Yeah. So many, so many people have been like, why haven't you released it yet? You have to release it while you're still excited about it. And I'm like, you need to mind your is... business. Yeah. And also I'm excited about it. Okay. <laughs> I made it and it can sit for a year. It's fine. Um, I'm doing other things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel, I get really kind of weirded out about that stuff sometimes just thinking like, you know, 
I look at my first album and I know the things about it that like still feel good. Like mm-hmm. I know the things about it that I'm still really proud of and there's things about it that still feel like, yeah, that's as true today as it was then. And then I know the stuff that I'm like, in the context of this new project, like, am I going to start like hating my first album? And I'm, you know, like, it's just weird to like watch yourself evolve. And we have these things that like stay around in this like permanent way on the internet. And mm-hmm. it's weird. It It is. And it's, it's interesting because, so like the second song that's on, on my record, it's called Pressure. Um, we released it as a single before the the album came out and that was before we had even gotten a lot of the instruments that we used on the record. And so when it came time to put the record together, Mm. I wanted to open the sessions back up and put things on it. And Jonathan was like, no. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then that's honestly one of the reasons why I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a secret. Tell me it. I didn't want that song on the album. (laughs) I didn't. I felt like it needed to remain a single. I didn't feel like it fit. I didn't feel like, I felt like we had grown beyond some of the sounds that we used. And even vocally, I feel like I grew a lot and it was so fast. It was only within the span of like a year or two. It's crazy. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to put it on there. And I, was outvoted by <laughs> everyone that worked on the record. Yeah. So, um, cause we had some people come in, um, my friend Jesse played drums and then, um, our friend Scott mixed it. And then, and so we asked a couple of the people around us that we valued their opinion and were able yeah. to give us the opinion based on, you know, the congruency of the record and all of that. Yeah. And so, I, they all said yeah. that it needed to go on there. Yeah. And the best place for it to go was at the front on the second song. Yeah. And I was like, ah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I did not want, but yeah. everyone tells me that they love that song yeah. and that, and I, I'm being proven wrong all the time. Yeah. And honestly, it's wow. awesome. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Cause I would rather, I would rather be I would rather that happen than me be like, see, I told you. Yeah. Um, People hate it. Aren't you glad? Right. Yeah. But like I, 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 I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. And the things that I hear are things that only I will hear. Mm. And those are things that I can do next time on another song. I mean, it's the same thing as like, like a hairstyle like my hair was long and now it's short was it wrong when it was long no I liked it long at the time and then I cut it and then I'm still me I just have a different hairstyle and that doesn't mean that a year from now when my hair is a different color or different style that I burn all my pictures from when it was short it's that's that's the time in my life where that's where I was at yeah and accepting it for that and appreciating it for that um, I think is so valuable and important because like my album, my EP is not online anymore just because we switched distributing platforms yeah. and I was like, you know what? That's okay. And yeah. it, we still have, you know, it, physical CDs are still in existence and yeah. all of that. But, um, but I, 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 as much as I know that I've grown since that time, I appreciate that thing being what it was yeah. because it made my my full length album what it is totally and then yeah. the next thing that I put out will be and granted it's it's so funny because then there are songs that I listen to not that I listen to my album all the time but I will go back yeah, and listen ha- to I it mean, you you have to check in with you it. have to just check in yeah. and see like okay yeah. this is okay it's still 
it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's what I thought it was. It's what it's, it, yeah. Or songs or, that like, yeah. I, I, there's a song on the record that I really struggled with because I wrote it years before and it went through so many rounds of things. And I feel like it ended up in just this like weird place, but I don't know how else it would have ended up. I have a song on my first album that I feel like that about, I kind of feel like, who are you? Right. But like, what happened to you? Who else would you be? Like, I, I think about the process of that song and I don't think there was any other way for that song to be. Yeah. And so instead of me laboring over the song that's already out in the world, yeah. I still have so much more to say. Yeah. And I, I hope that I never peak as a creative or yeah. as a songwriter, or even as a vocalist. I, I, I hope that I'm constantly changing. Yeah. And in saying that I have to also be okay with letting things live the way that they are. Yeah. Um, and appreciating them and respecting them for that. Um, cause you think about any one of your artists, like, like Kimbra right now, she just put out an album not that long ago called Primal Heart and I love it. I it's love it too. We definitely the whole thing. I know all the words too. So, and she's and and it's, it's, it's a little more pop than like her first record. Yeah. Her first record vows was when I fell in love with her and Same. I love vows and I remember, um, oh my gosh, what's the song? Give me a clue. Um, I'm ready to help you. What does the music video look like? Oh, on top of the world. Okay. Um, yeah. I remember when that song oh, came yeah. out, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, like I it felt was the so... same way. I watched it like 20 times in a row. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so, you're like, yeah. And, 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 and it's so different from her first yeah. album but I wouldn't change anything about that first album yeah. and I wouldn't change anything about what she's no. currently doing because yeah. that's her progression and you can see a through line like I, I mean I feel like I can see it I can there are hints of that like total badass like you know like that like aggression that's in top of the world in like there's like little hints of it and like you know I don't know, plain gold ring. Like there's just I like, love plain gold. There's ring. just like little hints, right? <laughs> like, I mean, she was, she was like dealing with some of that, like feminist rage or whatever it is like mm -hmm. in its infancy back then. And then you, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm also just like, I could fangirl about Kimbra all day. Right. <laughs> um, so like, I'm, I'm that's one her. of those that, really, I did. So she came to, she played in Deep Ellum two years ago uh, at Trees. And so Deep Ellum is, it's in Dallas. It's, yeah. uh, oh, you, you've lived here for a yeah. while. Um, so she, so she played there. And so my husband and I are notorious for getting two shows hours early so that we yeah. can stand in the front. Um, but we got there. So we got there early and there was no one waiting in line yet. So we were like, oh, we'll probably just, we should go eat or something. Yeah. And then we were walking down the street and we saw her walking, but she was walking the opposite direction of how we were walking. <laughs> and so we started, we started walking behind her and I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And Jonathan was like, get her attention. I was like, I, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. I yeah. can't do it. And he was like, just say, I'm like, if you love me at all, you will get her attention because I physically cannot yeah. PS. I cannot handle famous people or people yeah. that I like seriously look up to. I'm working on it because yeah. I, I, I'm obviously I in the wrong with that industry. Well. Yeah. I just, I'm such a fangirl <laughs> at heart, but I'm like, no, I we're doing the same thing. So I need to, yeah. I need to chill. But, um, so he got her attention and we're standing next to her 
And she, <laughs> I said, I'm such a big fan. I'm such a fan. I'm so like seven times. <laughs> I couldn't say anything else. And Jonathan was like, of your, of your music of primal heart. We love vows. We just, we love, we love everything that you've done, you know, all of, and I was like, fan, I'm such a, <laughs> such a fan. And that's honestly everything that I said. And then she walked away and I oh didn't even gosh. get a picture with her because I was so frazzled yeah, and I, I couldn't would totally be the same way. Handle it. Oh my God. <laughs> I have like, I like, have had several dreams that we're just like riding bikes together. Like in my dreams, we're like friends. <laughs> I would totally be Kimber's friend. It's so embarrassing. Not. It's not. Uh, in my grown up, like grown adult dreams, I'm just like riding bikes with Kimbra. Are you on? Are you on a tandem bicycle? No, just like side by side. <laughs> like just like I don't know, hanging out, going around. Uh, do I ride a bike? Never. But. In my dreams, that's a I thing mean, that I'm I would doing. Ride, I would ride bikes with Kimbra. I would definitely, I mean, anything Kimbra invited me to do, I would be like, I'll try. Yep. I'll do my best. But yeah, amen. <laughs> Hard, hardcore, hardcore fan. But yeah, I, I think that's a good note. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about that in particular and thinking about how like happy I am to like have her be whatever she's being mm -hmm. and then you know like why shouldn't we like let ourselves but I do think sometimes like I'm sure that Kimbra is not Kimbra all the time yeah you know and that's also something that's important to remember like you don't have to be hello Shannon like every day you know I don't know but that's tricky too like when you're thinking about authenticity like you know I don't know it gets a little messy but it's good it's good messy it 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 is. I feel like that's something that I really struggled with at first yeah. because I felt like I, like my songs are really serious and yeah. I needed to be, and they are, I mean, they're incredibly, yeah. um, I, I mean, in my opinion, deep and from really deep places of my life and really personal. And so I felt like, especially when I first started on social media, I, it had to be really serious and really, yeah. because I was afraid that I would be doing injustice to my art. Yeah. But if you spend five seconds with me, you know yeah. that I am, I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm super sarcastic. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm very silly and goofy. And I, I used to really struggle with that because I felt like it took away and I don't think that it does. No, it's just, it's just, it's figuring out. So like realizing that like the, ver like every, and, and granted you also have not to say different versions of yourself as in your different people, but like I am myself when I go to, a gala and I'm all dressed yeah. up just I'm this yeah. I'm the same myself when I'm in sweatpants and have no makeup on right. like I'm me in every room even though that's a different version yeah. of me totally. and again I just all that I it's hard to say it that's also why like this word artifice like it creeps people out sometimes and I'm like listen we, it's not it just is it's just the truth like you you have like you have like the version of you that makes this like really deep art and you have the version of you that's like silly, silly, goofy. And you probably have another version that's like neither of those things when you're with your students, you know, it's just, it just is what it is, which is why 
I don't know. I mean, depending on the type of artist that you are, it just, from the outside, it can look so clear that it's like one thing. Right. And it never is. Right. Even for people who it mostly is, because we all know like that one person who just like lives and breathe, like they just, there's no, there's like barely a line at all between them and their art. Um, Even those people, like, it's just, you know. There are many angles. Right. So. I, I remember when I, Billie Eilish was becoming a thing and I was seeing some of her videos and I just, I, her music is really interesting. And at first I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy it. Yeah. I was like, homegirl's trying way too hard. Yeah. But you listen to her talk for five minutes yeah. and you're like, oh, this is you. Yeah. Like you may not have made this specific choice or maybe you did like this is, this is you like your kid who obviously, I mean, you're, she's what, 17. So she's 17. She likes horror movies and all of like, she's just, she, she is sushi. And some of that, you know, I'm, I'm sure is, you know, record label stuff. And well, and some of it, like you said, is she's 17. She's 17. So like, you know, it's probably like pushed to a bit of an extreme. I, it's funny that you brought this up because I was talking about this with the person I interviewed this morning with about Billie Eilish, <laughs> a graphic designer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be so interested to see like how she, like what does her next, what does her, like not even the next record, the one after that, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And yeah. it may not look anything like what it does now. Yeah. And she could o- be blonde. And that's okay. <laughs> she was blonde. And now her hair is like black and green and she's a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, and even well, we as adults, like we're still, we're, st- I mean, my hair was blonde like two years ago and I had yeah. bangs and now well, I it's, don't. It's and- easy to look, it's, it's easy at whatever age you are to look at like, you know, and, and not even just like your age, but like where you are in your career to look at someone who's earlier or younger or whatever and be like, oh, honey, you have a lot to learn (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Not that you're saying that or I'm saying that. Right. But like you have to then also know like someone who's that much farther ahead of you, like you, you're never going to stop being that either. Yeah. You're never going to stop being the person that you're like, oh, wow, I was so young. You know, I was, that was so long ago. We're going to say that in 20 years. Yeah. I like it. So, okay, I think we've kind of, we've done it here, but I always ask everybody at the very end, on this very day, what's your dream collaboration or like your dream project? Imogen. Yeah. Imogen Heap. I think that, though I always tell everyone that I my fear is that it would be a Kimbra like situation. And I'd just be like, Oh my God. And then she would think that I just didn't know anything. Um, but I, uh, like when she collaborated with Taylor Swift on, I think it was 1989. She did one of, or she did something on one of the songs and I was like, so jealous. Collaborate with me. Yeah. I just, I want to, I just, I want to, uh, Although I think that if she, again, if she were to ever call me up, I'd be like, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve your air. I don't know. (laughs) But I would, I would, I. Maybe it could be like a remote collaboration. Well, no, because I would still want to meet. It's Again, it's a very. It's It's complicated. It's very, I'm very conflicted. (laughs) Um, But I think that that would honestly be my, 
um, my, my dream collab just because of everything that she she's does so and amazing. is, and she's so amazing. And she just, she does so much of everything herself. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Yeah. And she's also just like, it's like she genuinely does not care what anybody, but not in like a, I don't care what you think in like a, I just, she just seems like, she seems like an alien to me. Yes. Yeah. That's like a great, her. that's a great descriptor. Like, where are you from? Like, just how did you come? There's a, she put out, um, the listening chair and I remember <laughs> I was at work and I left early so that I could listen to. So she did a, a collaboration with, um, at Royal Albert Hall and with some, I think it was Eric Whitaker's choir. Mm. And I was like, um, I'm, I'm listening to this. So I left yeah. work early so go. that I could yeah. listen to it in my car. <laughs> and it's basically every minute is a different portion of her life. So wow. it's from when she was a child up into up until this point or until the point that she was on that record at the time. And I remember listening to it and just feeling like I learned so much about her life yeah. and how she approached it. And she yeah. said that she really wrestled with that song. Like there would be 30 seconds of it that she would just went back and forth about and how conflicted she was. And I've, I've, I've seen a couple of um, like record documentaries of her. I think, I think it was ellipse. And she's just like, I think this is right, but I don't know. And, and she's, yeah. but she's, she's making all of these choices, but yeah. then deliberating over them at the same time. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're a person. Same. Yeah. <laughs> you're not an alien, uh, <laughs> but she's still a genius. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, if I ever worked with her, I think That's I was the dream. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I hope that happens for you. Thank you. The very last thing is tell everybody where to find your stuff and. Who, are, who you are and where, yeah, where to find you. <laughs> so you can find me online, uh, helloshannonmusic.com. All my stuff is there. Also on Instagram, underscore helloshannon. That's the platform that I feel like I use most because I can be on it more and be more involved in stories and, and all of that. Um, but, and we have a record out that came out a year ago. It's called Wander. You should check it's it out. really lovely. My favorite track is Home. Thank you. That's one of the songs that went through. It's a Frankenstein song. That it's song did not sound like that. Well, I beginning. really like it. Well, thank Every you. time I listen to it, I like it more. And I share it with, I really do. I like, I'm always like, have you, did I already send you that song? Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That, that means a lot. Shannon, thank you so much for talking with me. Okay, you're at hello, helloshannonmusic.com mm -hmm. and on Instagram, helloshannonmusic, right? Or just hello Shannon? Underscore hello Shannon. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.